Hi, JC. What is up, River? Now, explain your absence to the Legit Cool Podcast. <laughs> life. Life is uh, good. What is that? Life is, what is life, that? life is, you know, taking us on a journey. Um, but just being grateful to be able to do all these things. But, you know, also sorry that I haven't been around because uh, River's been hitting me up to go, are you ready to cast? Are you ready to cast? And I'm like, I'm sorry. I have a complicated schedule. But here I am. Okay, nobody nobody cares that much about your no, right? Let's just let the rest of the yeah, song play out. Thank you very much. You're okay, so you know when I <laughs> I think about She Hulk, the series, I think about how long it's been since it ended. <laughs> Which is, I think it's like three weeks ago. <laughs> is that true? I think it was about three weeks ago, right? Uh, something like that. But is it really that bad? What do you mean? Is it that bad as in it's it's a terrible TV series? Or do you think it's that bad that we've taken this long to review it? The former. Okay. I think that's what we're about um, to get into. I don't know. That's what we're about to get into. I, I think people appreciate... No, that's that's bullshit. I mean, whoever, whoever, like out of the small group of people that are loyal followers, followers to legit cool podcasts, first of all, I'm grateful, but I don't think they care that much. Who knows? There's probably like two people listening to this uh, episode anyway, and that's the two people that love the She-Hulk series. They also love listening to um, you. Really? Yeah, well, I mean, they're listening to you and not to someone else. Oh, I think you're just too kind. Maybe. But mm, let the facts, let the you. fans speak for themselves. Anyway, you know, you know what's weird is that I never thought I would actually like. <laughs> I never thought I would actually appreciate and like hearing my voice in a podcast. I mean, it must be doing it for someone out there. <laughs> <laughs> and the douchebag award of 2022 is going to me um thanks everybody for listening and that is the end of this episode um no, no, no. like in 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 the most unvanity way possible and i mean that in a sincere way even though it doesn't sound very sincere now that i'm saying it um i actually don't mind like like I think part of it is also just appreciating the fact that I've created this piece of content that I never, ever thought would have this much traction. Um, you know, so I'm grateful. I think it's because it's coming from a, a place of being very, very grateful. Mm -hmm. And I have to thank people like yourself. Um, also, Nathan, who's a regular, regular podcaster. Um, he was new to the whole podcast thing. So was I, you know. Um, and he's never done a podcast before, and he, he loves it. He really enjoys it. He's a natural, mm. though. You know, he's a natural. I think he's just more of a natural speaker on a podcast more than I am. Nathan's <laughs> a talker, so that's that's for sure. Here's a yeah. talker. Yeah. God bless that guy. He's a beautiful <laughs> human being. Um, How have you been? I've been good. I can't say, you know, I remember mm. last one of the last episodes, of like, you know, I've just been – making ends meet but you know life is um it has its ups and downs but it's good it's uh you know busy busy good to be busy when you're self-employed and you know just makes the world turn around but you know you get to do your thing so yeah 
But you, you've got a fun life. I mean, I, you know, you've got a super fun life. I, I think it depends on who you ask. But yes, I, I would consider it fun um, because I get to wake up and do what I love and uh, help people and stay fit and all the good things that, you know, are associated with health and music and, and whatnot. So for me, yeah, I would define it as fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm sure there's other people out there who are subjectively doing funner things than me. But, you know. <laughs> what is funner fun things, things like, you know, they could, Bruno Mars has a fun life, I would say, you know, or. Um, nah, that guy just sings. Peter sings. Well, if you look at some <laughs> of the actors out there, they're having fun lives. They're making great content. Some of them are making great content. Um, but, you know, it's all subjective. Mm. You know, it depends on what you like as, as a fun life. Um I'm sure that there's some people doing OnlyFans out there that have a fun life too, but you know, that's a whole other conversation. Well, did you just did you just drop the OF bomb I, on the I podcast? Did. I did. Should you start one? That is crazy. Or maybe start should it? I start an OF? <laughs> Only rivers and waterfalls. Yeah, come along to my OnlyFans page. I talk about movies, and all you see is my face. You don't get to see any sexual content, which is what OnlyFans is actually associated with these days, which is unfortunate because I know there's a lot of people that like to do OnlyFans that are not, you know, that's not sexual content, right? It's, um, that's an unfortunate case. That's such a weird world. But there's a not, there's uh, so many more platforms out there that have the same sort of, um, ability to create your content. Patreon's another one. It just depends on what platform you want to go, go with. Yeah, but, but Patreon is not associated with like. Six no, you're videos, right. You're right. But you know, at the same time, you at least get some users on OnlyFans. This may not be the the demographic that you're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you, uh, JC, for coming to the podcast, and we will see your exit to the episode. Sure. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, let's start talking about <clears throat> what the people are here to listen to. She Hulk. Um, she Hulk. Wow, where to begin? So maybe it's a good place to to start at who directed her, who actually created the the TV series. So we have Jessica Gao. I don't know if you're familiar with Jessica Gao. Uh, no, but now that you've highlighted that she did Silicon Valley, like that does make a lot of sense. I never saw Silicon Valley. That is, I think I saw one episode. It, it's acquired taste, but um, if you've ever worked in IT, um, it's just yeah. There's so many references in there and just, yeah, it's, it was a funny, it was a funny stint for a while it lasted. It's a shame that TJ Miller didn't continue on, but you know, um, there was some, definitely some highlights in there and, uh, Kumail Nanjiani obviously got a little bit of uh, a fair amount of work from that as well. So how old is that series? I'm not that old, maybe five years old now. But mm. the, the highlights in there, like you've both seen Kamel and uh, I forgot what his name is now, but uh, the dude who plays Guilfoyle, um, who, who played Mr. Uh, he's one of school teachers in Spider-Man. Oh, um, is he the guy with the yes. glasses? The beard yes. glasses, right. He's from Silicon yes. Valley. Okay. Okay. I feel like, Silicon, uh, what's his name? Sorry, TJ Miller. Mm. I feel like, uh, I, I feel like that guy's a funny, super funny dude. Yeah. And he's, I feel like he's just not in enough comedies or enough movies or anything to kind of really show his superpowers as a comedian. Well, right? he had his role in Deadpool, but... Yeah, that's the kind of only thing that I know him yeah. from Deadpool. Like, what else is he in other than Silicon Valley? Nothing. No. 
Look, there is a little bit of talk on the internet about how he has a falling out with everyone, but you know that's the internet. So maybe oh, that's why. actually, now that you rem- you mentioned it, I heard there was some some kind of beef drama between him and Ryan Reynolds, yes. right, and Deadpool. Right, maybe that's um, why he's not he in Deadpool three. Was also uh, what was that dude? What was that? No, uh, was it Ready Player One? He played. Um, oh, I never saw that. Actually. Okay, Steven Spielberg's movie, right? So, yeah. He was uh, he was mm. one of the voice actors, but yeah, that mm. yeah. As soon as you hear his voice, you know it's him, and that's why when he right. saw when I watched Deadpool, I was like, "Why do I know that voice?" But the the visual didn't match because he didn't look like. Uh, who, did he, who did he play again in um, Silicon Valley? I forgot, forgot the name. Beats me. You're the one. This is your moment. Yeah, Ehrlich. <laughs> there we go. Um, Ehrlich Buckman. Anyway. Okay. So I believe you. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so, so Jessica Gao, she is the creator of, of this show, She-Hulk. Um, she's from Silicon Valley. She's one of the writers on that. I don't know how many episodes she would have written on that. But um, uh, she also is a writer on Rick and Morty. Also don't know how many episodes she's done on that. So great research, River. Um, but Rick and Morty and Silicon Valley are well-known properties, right? Yes. If you're looking for that validation. Thank you. Thank you for the validation. I appreciate (laughs) you. Um, That's why we have you here on the podcast. Um, So the actors in this, I mean, there's there's quite a lot of good actors and famous actors, people that we're familiar with in the MCU. Um, But let's start off with our lead character, with our lead actor, Tatiana Maslany, I think is how you pronounce it. You asked the wrong person about pronunciations. Tatiana Maslany. So yeah, let's have a look at what she's done in the past, right? So she's done, wasn't it? Um... Uh, yeah, nothing worth um, noting. Anyway, moving on to the next person. <laughs> no, no, no. Seriously, she hasn't really done anything that I'm familiar with. <clears throat> um, didn't hmm. she play? Um... She's been on the uh, Late Show. With um, Stephen Colbert. Okay, there we go. No, no, no. She's done... Um... <laughs> let's see, let's see. I mean, Stronger, Woman in Gold. No, Never heard no. of these she, movies. She was in Orphan Black, right? That was one show that okay. she was... I feel like that sounds familiar, but I, didn't, I don't it. know what Orphan Black is, no. Was, uh... No. Two, bear, two Lovers and a Bear. I mean, it's got a cool poster. Sure. She oh, she's in Stronger. I know that movie with Jake Gyllenhaal. No, I never saw that. Oh, she's actually the co-star. Okay, yeah, I never saw it. That's probably why I don't recognize her. Um, but if I'd seen the movie, then it would make sense that I do recognize her. <laughs> but I think I only knew her from Orphan Black. So, yeah, right. Okay. Well, <clears throat> let's move on to the next mm-hmm. actor, <laughs> Mark Ruffalo. Obviously, everybody knows him. Uh, did you, did you really clap, know him before the Hulk? That's the question. I actually did. Okay. Yes, fair. I did. I knew him from a movie called Just Like Heaven. It was a pretty small rom com with uh, Reese Witherspoon. I don't know why I remember him from that. That's it's such a weird thing, weird film to remember because the film is not really that great. It does like, seem okay. to fit into a rom-com kind of movie. Like, you don't see him automatically playing the Hulk. He's the rom-com kind of guy. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I mean, he caught everybody from, uh, by surprise when he was cast as Incredible mm-hmm. Hulk. 
Um, <clears throat> but um, following up from the previous Incredible Hulk, I don't think it's that too tall of a um, feat. Mm. Would you agree? Yeah. You know, I mean, Edward Norton, he's a good actor. Mm. I don't think it's that impossible to try and like reach that expectation though. Mm. Um, but a lot of people give that Incredible Hulk movie a lot of credit, like more credit than I think it deserves, in my opinion. Well, it was the start of something, but you know, it would have been interesting to see the MCU play out with Norton as. Mm -hmm. It would be a very different MCU, but I feel like Norton just gives me that kind of, um, Hey, I'm here to like tell you what to do kind of vibe. Like, I feel like Edward Norton gives that kind of vibe, whereas Mark Ruffalo feels like a. Uh, pushover yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) you know kind of like uh the kind of kind of person that would say yeah i'll do whatever you say it it, it just it it appears to me that you know if you've watched um other films of norton's like primal fear and fight club he's really good with. oh my god you remember primal fear that's a real good movie (laughs) um so when i look at these these like these alter ego roles he does really well in them so it made sense for him to be cast as the hulk but it's really interesting that, or unfortunate that he didn't get recast, and uh, and they went with Ruffalo. But maybe that they wanted something different, you know. Is it unfortunate though? Uh, Are you telling the truth? I don't know. Let, let's <laughs> let the fans decide. Let's let the fans. I mean, we're taking way too long on this whole Sorry. cast. This is my fault, let's everyone. Re- <laughs> It's been a while, that's why. Um, Mark Ruffalo, obviously coming back as Bruce Banner. He is the cousin of Jennifer Walters, if anybody wasn't familiar with that. Um, And then we have Tim Roth coming back as Emil Blonsky, which is nice. I think it's quite nice to see him come back. And it's also the most character development that I've seen him do in any MCU content. I mean, it's only from Incredible Hulk, I guess. But um, I think that's kind of nice, kind of neat. Um, and then we have uh, Benedict Wong, which is cool. Wongers. I mean, do you like that idea? Wongers? No? I mean, it had its <laughs> moment, but it kind of got real worn out real quick. Yeah, it got pretty tired, right? I agree. I agree. Um, <clears throat> we had Ginger Gon- Gon- Gonzaga uh, playing Nikki. I think she's kind of a cool character. Uh, Jamila Jamil playing Tatiana. And then we have Renee Elise Goldsberry playing Amelia. We have Josh Segara playing Pug. And then John Bass playing Todd. Now, don't ask me why I just chose these actors, but I feel like these are the actors that have appeared in the series the most. And I could be completely wrong. No, you're about right. <laughs> they had the most screen time. Okay, that's fair. That sounds. That seems like a, a lot of a lot thing. of the other ones. Well, except for maybe Tim Roth and Mike Ruffalo. I mean, a lot of the other people who were well and Wongers, maybe they're the cameos. But everyone else seems to be more the the uh, core, if you want to call it that. <laughs> no. Yep. Core. core. Yeah. No. I feel you. I feel you. I keep having some issues with my camera, if, if, you, if you can notice. I, I, I do, but you know, I'm here to hear for your voice, not for your visuals. Or maybe both, you know. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Hey, behave, behave. <laughs> um, okay, so <clears throat> the series was released on August 18th, 2022. Obviously, the Rotten Tomatoes score. Now, this might surprise you. I don't know if it surprised you or not, or maybe you agree. Who knows? The critic score is 85%. 
and the audience score is 33. <laughs> now explain why there's such a disparity between the two scores. Mm. Why why is the audience so upset um, and given it an overall rating of 33%? Why? And we've got credit score. That's, I mean, that's a high score, 85%. I have a. Who do you agree with? Are you more on the audience side, or are you more on the critics? I'm side? probably aligning with the critics more. I think uh, I, I had this written down before. Like, but phase four is like a box of chocolates. You just don't know what you're going to get given, and everything has just been a little bit. I want to say randomized. Obviously, you know, Kevin, and I mean Feige, not the other Kevin, which we'll get to in a second. Was um, <laughs> uh, he's obviously done phase four like this in you know for a reason um but it's always just been all over the place and i think if you understand what you're going into then it's quite enjoyable it's a comedy really at the end of the day if you're expecting some badassery crossover with other film uh sorry other stars you get a little bit of it but that's not really where um you know people aren't expecting sorry they weren't aiming for the action they were aiming for the comedy aspect I like how you use the word badassery. I think the last time I heard that was when I was 15 years You're old. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well done. Um, okay, cool, cool. I, I like that. You know what? I'm not sure if I lean towards the 33%. <clears throat> before, before recording, um, and, and I think we've spoken about this, um, I have expressed how I feel about this show I feel like the show should be a lot better than what we got in terms of narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would sort of reason to think that I'm leading more towards 33%, but I don't think the show deserves 33%, mm. but I also don't think it deserves 85%. I think that's way too generous. Yeah. The critic consensus is quote, whether she's fighting bad guys, defending a client, or managing her messy social life, She-Hulk attorney at law passes the bar for binge-worthy viewing. Right. Now, I don't, I, I don't agree with that consensus, by the way. <laughs> um, do, you think it, do you think it's not binge-worthy? Is that what you're trying to say? I don't think it's binge-worthy, mm. in my opinion. I, I would – okay, put it this way. I wouldn't watch the series again. Mm. But but I would watch it again if a friend of my, if a close friend of mine was like, hey, I really want to get into the MCU, and you know you kind of have to watch everything now in the MCU. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it's always been like that, but with the Disney Plus series, it's quite a lot of content to consume. Mm. So if a friend of mine was like, hey, uh, I need to watch She Hulk, I'd I'd be glad to watch it with him, mm. right, or, or her, or whatever, yep. right. Um. But would I watch it alone on my own? No, I won't. I wouldn't rewatch this um, when I do this sort of MCU marathon leading up to an Avengers type film because because I, I do the MCU marathons, mm. right? I I would probably skip. I probably hard skip She Hulk. <laughs> do you think though that this offers a platform for the non MCU or the future MCU people as an entry point, like as an easy way in? This is light comedy. Um, introducing to superheroes in a different way rather than the whole let's watch WandaVision and you, the first few episodes you actually don't know what's going on from a fa- mm-hmm. you know from an entry point so my question is yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a good point that's a good point I mean perhaps yeah there's probably a lot of people that love rom-coms there's probably a lot of people that love 
the journey of a of a young, um, ambitious, driven businesswoman. <clears throat> I'd imagine it's like the Sex and the City crowd or whatever, or um, I don't know, people that are into that kind of stuff. I'm pretty sure this can open the doors for them if they weren't already into the MCU. Mm-hmm. So that can be a good thing, but I can't imagine that audience being a large audience. Well, if you look at Phase 4, right, you've also had um, Miss Marvel come in, which is targeting a different demographic, right, younger females. And then you're going to have this, I don't want to say older, but, you know, uh, more mature female audience maybe wanting to get into the MCU but don't know where to start. And maybe not everyone's going to resonate with someone who's a lawyer, but, you know, it's almost that that high lifestyle, being able to go to a bar, seeing what women who are not teenagers anymore and what they have to deal with. So I understand there was a lot of critique around the issues and, and topics brought up in the series, but I think it's just being very real for people mm. nowadays. And I think that's what people may resonate with, but that's why there's a lot of um, uh, negative you know, reviews towards this because there's a lot of things that, which I'm assuming is the male population that have put it down, cannot relate with. Because they're probably expecting a lot more action and, and punching and smashing and whatnot, and they're not getting it. So mm-hmm. that's just my mm-hmm. thoughts. I could be completely wrong, though. I, th- I think you're onto something. There's the vast majority of people that are obviously consuming this content are true diehard MCU fans, like me and you and Nathan. And um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're diehard MCU fans. So we're the target audience for MCU branded content, regardless of what it is. The people that are disappointed with the show, I can probably resonate with their disappointment, even if their critique or their criticism isn't um, intelligently put together. Mm. (laughs) I think there's a lot of ragtag people that like to just say, oh, this is kind of shit because it doesn't doesn't have the kind of superheroes that I want to see, perhaps. Mm. There's not a lot of intellectual thought put to their criticism. However, um what they're probably looking for and expecting is really that high bar that Kim Fagi has said. Mm. It's a super high bar. Mm. And sometimes it's hard to reconcile what, how, what you're feeling and what you're expecting for a show or a movie. Sometimes it's hard to reconcile um, piecing those bits together because those bits on the other side that Kim Fagi has planned is just something fresh and new that he wants to give to new audiences you know fresh audiences but also his current fan base mm. um i said this before i don't know actually i'm not sure if i said it on the podcast but um i think if i was to tap into kevin Feige's mind i think kevin Feige is, is testing you know he's testing what the audiences yeah. are responding to what are they reacting mm. to how are they how are they receiving all this new information? Yeah. And good on them. If he wasn't testing boundaries and if and not getting feedback, then why else would you try and develop your brand? If if, if all you wanted to do was just spit out the same stuff that he did in the Infinity Saga, then I'm pretty sure he'd be able to do that successfully. But he's not going to grow an audience, mm. right? He's not gonna he's not gonna challenge the narrative, mm. which I think is what he's doing. Mm. Um, so all the power to him. I, I don't think um, my criticism about this show is pertinent on developing the MCU. It's more just critiquing the quality of the show. Mm. That's that story, that's character, that's character development, arc, 
all these all these types of things, all these kind of tenets that make a good story, which is why we have this podcast, you know, so we can really dissect what works and what doesn't mm. work. And, and that's probably, just to add to that, that's probably why the critics are giving it a higher rating than the audience because they're getting something different to what Marvel is known for, like the typical, uh, you know, Falcon Winter Soldier just felt like an, you know, another Marvel movie, just a short form though. So the approach that having a, a demographic change or an origin story difference um, that wasn't based in some sort of cosmic universe or, you know, some back alley where people are fighting their way out it's just a different approach so mm-hmm. everyone's mm-hmm. story is hey, different but anyway you, you can't bag on the back alley fight sequences I, man i mean well <laughs> i mean how many of them can you see before you, you go it's the same thing over and over again i mean how many times have we seen bruce wayne's parents die Many, many, many times and i don't think we need to revisit no. that although although zack snyder's version which was kind of like a montage. I really appreciated mm. that. I really enjoyed mm. that. Mm. We're talking about the competitor here now, so maybe we should stay on brand. And next. <laughs> I like your sound effects. Just, They're good. Just off the top of my head, that's how it goes. Just roll with it. What sound effects do I have here? Let me see. I have a transition here. Oh, so that was pretty close. That was actually but did you like the, pretty close. that one or my one? I mean, you're going to have to fight. Well, your one's organic. Yeah, I'll give you, you that. Took me ten years. All right. Anyway, <laughs> we are jumping into the recap. And for the listener, if this is your first time here, how we do this is the recap is basically me talking about, well, me narrating the entire plot and movie form. But of course, we're talking about a TV series, so we're going to be touching on each episode. This is episodes one to nine. Jeez, I can't believe they had nine episodes in this. Mm. Wait, what else had nine episodes? It was um, WandaVision, right? WandaVision had nine episodes. Uh, was it close to nine or was it nine? Um, don't fact-check me. I'm not fact-checking. <laughs> I'm, I'm confident that it's nine episodes because every other MCU oh, you're correct. TV series, you're correct. I was right. See, why doubt me? I wasn't doubting you. I just needed to know for myself. See, there's a difference. I'm the MCU Oracle. <laughs> uh, the other MCU TV series are primarily six episodes i think um yeah Mm. so it's interesting to see that this has nine Mm. so yeah for the listener we're going to be talking about each episode we'll we'll keep it brief we'll just talk about the things that we liked in this episode me jogging through the plot is going to help us jog our memory because it's been a while actually episode one seems like a lifetime ago um but yeah we'll explain we'll bring up the title for each episode we'll talk about the highlights the lowlights and that kind of that kind of thing. Okay? Okay? So let's use this uh, cool transition to get into the recap. Ah, oh, welcome to recap, listener. Welcome to recap, JC. It's been a while. Mm. Do you remember how to do this? Nope. I'm just going to let you okay. roll with it, and I'm just going to interject. Don't worry. Don't as worry. I do. Nobody, nobody needs to know. All right, so episode one is titled, A Normal Amount of Rage. Before a court case, lawyer Jennifer Walters, a.k.a. She-Hulk, tells the viewers about an incident a few months earlier where she and her cousin Bruce Banner were in a car crash after an encounter with a Sakarian spacecraft. Uh, While attempting to get Banner to safety, um, Walters was cross-contaminated with his blood, causing her to transform, transform into a Hulk. 
Benna took Walters to a secret laboratory in Mexico. I actually didn't even know mm. that it was in Mexico. Did we know that it was in Mexico in the episode? It's kind of. Do they say Mexico? I don't, I don't think even they remember said it, but it kind of looked like Mexico or like some. It didn't look like. Dude, it, look, it, look, it looks like Samoa. Okay, well. <laughs> it's like, it looks like Pacific Island. I had no idea it was Mexico. That's actually kind, kind of neat. Why Mexico, though? Why not? Well, what do we know about Bruce Banner and Mexico? Nothing. Oh, man. I have to think mm. about that. Anyway, let's come back to that in a second. Um, well, he trained her to control her new powers. She was able to effortlessly handle this training regime, but she rejected the idea of becoming a superhero full-time. Banner tried to stop her from leaving, and the two fought until Banner reluctantly accepted Walt, uh, Walter's, Gen- I'll just say Jennifer, Jennifer's wish to return to her legal career. Back in court, Walters is interrupted by superpowered influencer Tatiana, who violently bursts through the wall while fleeing from her own trial. Walters con- uh, transforms, defeats Tatiana. Um, oh, that's not Tatiana. What am I saying? Titania. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like hang on. <laughs> Sorry. Tatiana is the name of uh, Jennifer Walters, a.k.a. She-Hulk. Jeez, gosh. Uh, Titania. Sorry, audience, uh, listener. Uh, Titania and returns to normal to make her closing argument, and that is the end of the episode. Okay, I just want to uh, jump in real quick first. I'm going to be the first to say this, even though I've just been speaking for the last, like, 20 hours. Um, I actually really enjoyed the pilot, mm. right? Really enjoyed the pilot. I love the fact that we get a huge breakdown on what the series is going to be about, which is her breaking the fourth wall straight away. Mm. I love that she introduces herself by breaking the fourth wall, saying what the show is about. The show is a, what did she say, lawyer law, lawyer show? Yes, yeah, law, yeah, something law, law like, something that. like that. Yeah, mm. which is really cool. They they were they were hitting the nail as quick as possible, which is great. They didn't wait until episode two. Then wait until mm. episode three. They just pretty much did everything. An acceptable amount of exposition dump that we need for a mm. series. So I really enjoyed mm. that. And the Sakarian spaceship spacecraft, like coming into uh, into this episode. Mm. Didn't expect that to happen. But then when kind of Bruce Banner gets exited that in that way, because he kind of goes on the Sakarian thing, it's kind of setting up like his story, which I'm hoping is an Incredible Hulk movie. Mm-hmm. Um, those are kind of my thoughts to start with. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts? No, I think you're right. It was a solid... Oh, wait, wait. I just got more... No, oh, one more thing. <laughs> no, it was uh, it was a solid pilot. I did enjoy it. it. Like you said, it set the tone with the fourth wall break, which is giving that... Uh, homage back to the comics um and he was making sure like she had control of what her show was going to be about you know it wasn't being controlled and with its narrative but she wanted to make it about her and i think that was good it was comedy it was funny um you know also seeing bruce um again i think was just a nice touch um but then i think she says maybe in maybe a later episode like this is not a show with a different cameo each week although it almost does feel like that I think she says that in the last episode. <laughs> right. I th- no, she says it earlier, or, but yeah. The second to last episode, maybe. Something like that. She's like, what did you expect? A cameo in each week? And um, anyway, like it was. Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, she does sorry. say that. And uh, no, I thought it was good. Um, there's enough variety in the show. Sorry, in the episode just to set it up. But then, you know, 
we got to see where it goes from there. Yeah, it's fun. I love the fact that we, we get the first impression, the strongest impression that this show should be, which is it's fun, it's delightful, mm. it's comedic. Um, I didn't think the comedy was like roaring comedy that was like, ah, oh, laugh my what am I trying to say? Laugh my socks off. That's not an expression, is it? Candy. <laughs> Laugh my socks off. <laughs> and thanks for listening to this podcast. And you never come back. Um, no, it, it was um, it wasn't comedy that I thought was just crazy, outrageously funny. But it was comedy that I think was good enough for a pilot. Um, and they set the tone well enough for you to say okay i'm interested to see the mm. second episode but i but i actually really enjoyed the the pilot mm. i i probably because i had also low expectations like super low bar for the series mm. um and i was reluctantly surprised so good job mm. good job mm. on the first episode next a normal amount of rage i i don't know if the title is significant to what the episode is Mm. Um, the only kind of, oh, is it? Yeah, I guess it is. I mean, she's trying to control her. No, she actually, she doesn't really control her rage. She kind of has it under control straight away. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't really pay that much attention to episode names unless it's really like, you know, if they're really being ingenious with the way things are going in this show. True. But I was like, eh, it's like a, you know, there's a lot of shows out there like that just don't really give too much thought to their episode names. So I kind of just mm. brushed over it. Yeah, maybe I'm just nitpicking. I don't mm. know. I don't know why I brought it up. Um, but how good is it to see Bruce Banner? Yeah, Mister, 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 Mister Mark Ruffalo yeah. himself. Awesome, love mm. him. Um, all right, so episode two: Superhuman Law. Uh, Walters gains public no- uh, notoriety after defeating Titania and is dubbed "quote unquote" She-Hulk. However, the case is declared a uh, mistral. Mistral. <laughs> I, can't, I can't read obviously um the case is declared as a mistrial after the defense successfully argued that her fight with titania influenced the jury and she is fired from from the district attorney's office unable to find other work walters is offered a position by opposing counsel goodman Liber, kurtzberg and hall holloway oh, I had no idea that's the name of the law firm. It was a mouthful. <laughs> Goodman, Lieber, Kurtzberg, and Holloway. Do they, do they even mention the whole I, name? They may oh, say it once or twice, but yeah, G-L-K-N-H. Even that's a mouthful G-L-K-N-H. That is a mouthful. I mean, that's like 10 syllables <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> and impulsively accepts bringing along her best friend, Nikki uh, Ramos, great character, by the way, one of my favorite characters in the show, as her paralegal. On Walters' first day, JLK and H partner partner Holden Holloway informs her that he wants her to head up the firm's new super law, a uh, superhuman law division, and work as a as She Hulk full time. Her first case is to represent Emil Blonsky, aka Abomination, at his parole hearing. Though initially reluctant due to uh, Blonsky's past attempt to kill her cousin Banner. Uh, Walters gets Banner's approval and accepts the case as he departs inside a Sakarian spacecraft. Walters soon learns that Blonsky apparently escaped from prison and participated in an underground fight club, mm. a.k.a. Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi. 
Well, how do they pronounce it? Shang-Chi. Um, yeah. Let me get you to start on this. Uh, what did you think of episode two? It's a while did ago. Yeah, I'm trying to remember it. Like, <laughs> I remember the, the things that you've mentioned, and uh, but if you ask me for the little tidbits, no, nah, that's gone. Um, okay episode. Like, it was setting up this kind of, you know, conflict of interest um, and then setting up obviously that little teaser at the end where they find out that, you know, um, he was in the fight club. So there was that nice little throwback to Shang-Chi. But don't really remember much else about the episode. All right. Thank you, anyway. JC. Uh, moving on to episode three. <laughs> um, let me chime in here. I don't remember a lot of this episode, but I do remember like uh, tidbits, like you said, um, after just reading that that uh, plot. Um we get a first introduction to Nikki Ramos, which is, she's such a great character. Mm-hmm. She comes out of the gate flying. She hits the ground running. Mm-hmm. I love it. Love her. Love the impression I get it from her. And I actually just enjoy her throughout the entire series. Mm-hmm. I really like her as kind of the psychic. She, she's kind of, well, both her and... Pug? Um, no, no, no. Both her and she. Oh, okay. <laughs> Jennifer Oates. Is that kind of, she kind of, they kind of remind me of um, Ned and um, Spider-Man. Oh, and you know, that kind of like chemistry, very jokey. Oh, yeah. Um, very immature, have moments fun. of being mature, yeah, yeah, but fun, yeah, but fun, you know, sort of that kind of like in their early years of university almost, mm. right? That kind of that kind of vibe going on. So, I really enjoy her. Um, and uh, her being She Hulk for the entire series is a, is a blatant setup for her to just be She Hulk for the entire series. Mm. <laughs> Uh, and a little bit on the nose for me, kind of, I was like, oh, right, uh, this is the justification of her being She-Hulk in the series is by her being appointed as the She-Hulk in this new law firm to head up their um, superhuman law division. Which, by the way, I mean, when they when they say that she's going to lead or head up the whole superhuman law division, mm. she doesn't really feel like a manager, does she? She doesn't feel like sort of... That, that would insinuate that she's the manager of the division. Yeah, right? Wouldn't yeah. Um, but, I mean, maybe that's a new area for them and they haven't really expanded in that. But maybe in the future they will have more colleagues, employees, um, maybe. But they know how managers should manage in a division, surely. I mean, it's... <laughs> I guess it's new for her because she has to be a superhero at the same time to keep that role but then essentially nikki's under her right so i mean yeah nikki's under her so essentially that's the team i'm assuming mm. and have no idea what a paralegal does like I, I thought i would learn about what a paralegal does or what lawyers do i mean you kind of learn a little bit about lawyers but the show is not really about that the show is more about how she deals with her life as being a lawyer um her kind of dual life being a lawyer, trying to be a superhero, but not trying to be a superhero. Mm. Um, I guess it's more about that. Mm. But yeah, I had no idea what her friend Nikki does, apart from just being her best friend. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and it's pretty interesting that her first case is representing Emil Blonsky, okay, Abomination. Cool way to, to bring the character into the show. Um, I was... Because we we all knew that Emil Bolsky was going to be in yep. this, I was a little worried as to what his real purpose in the show would mm. be. Right, like why are you dragging in an old rag character from a movie that nobody really likes in the MCU? Yeah, right. And then like, what? Yeah, but the, it, it allows all these old 
well, I wouldn't say old properties, but previous properties that have already been shown in a different light or, you know, give them further depth that they never got to have before because maybe it was budgeting or choices that were made. Mm. Like Wolverine. And he had a much... <laughs> Wolverine. <laughs> um, he had a surprising um, amount of screen time mm. in this show. And he, his presence that he has in the show, his development was super surprising. Mm. Even in this episode, episode two, he he has dialogue, he has monologue, not monologue, but he has dialogue. So much to the point where I was like, I don't remember him being this cool. Right. Do you remember him being that cool? No. But, I mean, do you feel like his screen time was, va- I want to say valid, but do you think it served its purpose? Purpose. I think it served its, its purpose. Mm. I think it served what it needed to to be, which was, you know, he's anchored in this series for the entire series. Mm. He's kind of like imprinted himself from episode two because I I feel like this is going to be one of the most important court cases that she'll ever have, yep. right? Yep. She has emotional connection, which is Bruce Banner. Mm. Um, she has a predicament, which is the fact that she's representing somebody that she really shouldn't. Mm. Um, so I love the fact that she gets Bruce Banner's blessing because she kind of needs this job, right? Yeah. It's like the only job that she has available. She's kind of painted as a bit of a, a bad person, not not really a villain, but she's painted as a, as a bad person in the public eye. And um, Goldman Libra, whatever, is willing to offer her an opportunity because she is a superhero and she is a lawyer. So it's kind of like, well, you know, you come along, do this job. This is the only chance that you have in, in being a lawyer, so why not take it? So I think it's great that Bruce Banner gives that blessing because Bruce knows how much would this would mean to her mm. um, being, you know, and how much it will do for her career. So, Do you think there's a, just to, to chime in back on this episode, do you feel like there's, and I'm sure this is going to be throughout the whole series, do you think there's some relatability with people in these positions that they're showing a little bit of their life, whether they're female or male, but in the, in the sort of legal, or if you want to talk the justice system in America, with things that they have to put up with, in terms of their roles. So for example, like, you know, having to take a case where you have conflict of interest or your job's on the line. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, you lost me. What's your question? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about like this whole, uh, what I understand. Narrative. I, I honestly, like I tuned out when you said the justice system in America, I was like, what is it? <laughs> in Australia, we have a legal system in America. It's a justice system. There's a little bit of a difference, but we'll, that's a whole different oh, conversation. Okay. But what I was talking Dude, about, you just went full nerd sorry, on me with the justice system sorry. and law stuff. I have no idea what you're talking about. So, um, <laughs> no, just about like I think the through line through this whole season or show is that basically showing a female's perspective um, in today's society. And what I wanted to get at is, do you feel like that particular scenario where she had had to head up the the division? Um, as a superhero is like kind of forcing someone to go against their norm and also represent a client that they didn't, that they had a conflict of interest with. Oh, I see what you're saying. That's what I'm saying. I see what you're saying. Okay, okay, okay. Hmm. Let me think about this for a second. Um, Ultimately, are you just asking other 
are the decisions motivated differently now because it's a female in power? Is that, is, is that where you go with the question? Uh, i got to be careful how we say this. Um, no, I'm just trying to see. Like, is, no, it's okay. I've already, got, I've already been canceled. You've already been canceled. So, okay. doesn't mean I've been canceled. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> no, no, no. But I feel like this is like, and it's a good thing because it's bringing to light. Um, and I'm sure this is done in other shows as well. But putting it from a, a female superhero perspective of things that they still have to go through as a female um, in today's society, regardless of... You're talking about the hurdles. Yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. So... Right. I'm sorry. Sorry, that was Siri. Siri kind of <laughs> jumped in. Sorry about that. Siri's apologizing for yeah. something. We have no idea. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like that's a question that requires a lot of thought. And it it probably sort of rabbit hole into an area that is out of my qualifications because I know philosophy. I don't know politics, mm. <laughs> um, especially like social politics. I mean, I, I have opinions about politics. I think a lot of people probably assume that I don't have certain opinions about politics, but I, but I do. I mean, I'm, I do philosophy, so I think a lot anyway. Mm. Um, but great question, JC, and we're going to be muting you for the rest of the episode. <laughs> Um, I have no idea if like we had addressed that question properly, but um, maybe we'll swing back to it. How about that? Let the fans decide, and we'll add a transition, and we'll swing back to it. (laughs) Um, Let's go to episode three. Uh, This is called "The People versus Emil Blonsky," and I spelt Blonsky incorrect, so do not, um, uh, do not, uh, yeah, say anything about that. Anyway, uh, Walters confronts Blonsky. Uh, who explains that he has uh, he was removed from the cell by the Sorcerer Supreme, who is Wong, that he returned um, to prison will- willingly, uh, will- yeah, willingly afterwards. Um, while she attempts to contact Wong, news of her appointment as Blonsky's lawyer st- stirs up the public controversy. Wong meets with Walters and agrees to testify at Blonsky's parole hearing during which Blonsky demonstrates his ability to remain in control as the abomination. Mm. Ah. Blonsky is released on parole, but forbidden from transforming again. Meanwhile, Walters' former colleagues, Dennis Bukowski. What is with all these difficult names? Dude, that's a pretty normal what name. A- you never heard that name before? Dennis Bukowski? Bukowski? You never heard that name? <laughs> no? No. Okay. I don't visit Poland often. I don't know if you've uh, <laughs> realized that. Um, Dennis Bukowski approaches the superhuman law division for a case involving his ex-girlfriend, Runa, a shape-shifting light elf from New Asgard, mm. who defrauded him by impersonating Megan the, the Stallion. <laughs> the case is assigned to Walters' co- co-worker, who is August uh, Augustus Pug Pug. Pugliesi. Pugliesi. Oh, I believe it's Italian. Pugliesi. He's Italian. Let's just call him Pug. And Walters helps Pug win the case. After participating in an interview, uh, a televised interview, Walters is attacked by the Wrecking Crew, a former criminal group consisting of the Wrecking, uh, of the Wrecker, Pile Driver, Bulldozer, and Thunderbell, who are armed with stolen Asgardian construction tools and were hired by an anonymous client to steal a sample of her blood, but Walters is able to overpower them. 
end of the episode. Um, I'm going to start here. Uh, the first thing that I want to say about this episode is that why the hell is Megan Lee Stallion in this episode? <laughs> That's the first thought that I had as well. It's the second weird. thought that I have is like I didn't enjoy the fact that Megan Lee Stallion is in it. Like I, I think she's she's cool. I uh, I don't even know what song I've heard from her, but I've heard one song, and it's not the kind of music that I appreciate or like to listen to. But um, when we get to the end of the episode and she does she twerks mm. with Megan Stallion, I was like, huh. Uh, is this the MCU now? Great. But that, that's <laughs> it, right? I think it's meant to be a little bit ridiculous in that respect in, in the sense that don't take the MCU so seriously. Which which is fine, which is fine, right? It's, don't take the MCU so seriously. Like, I think this this twerking of Megan Thee Stallion also being in the show and them twerking at the end of the episode, I think is fine. It's kind of like a passable, like, we're not going to take the MCU so serious, which is cool. Um, And that's, that's probably my personal limit. Mm. But then to see Thor and Thor Love and Thunder do the splits like Van Damme, no. like no, 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 that that is not the kind of that is not the kind of loose, don't take us too serious kind of uh, content that I want to see because that's just absolute garbage and bullshit. Mm. And I won't tap into that because we have reviewed it on the podcast, and you can check that out on episode <laughs> I don't know something, <laughs> episode something, thirty something. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, so that's, that's my first thought on the episode. Um, uh, I, I did like this. I didn't, love, I didn't love it as much as episode one, but I think that's how I also felt about episode two as well. I didn't love it as much as episode one. And episode three was like, it, it, it was cool. Um, like we see a few things happen in terms of how, like her trying to sort of flex her lawyer muscles, you know, mm. there's, a lot of, there's a lot of lawyering in this episode. Um, and then we soon find out that pretty much the rest of the episodes is all about her lawyering. Mm. <laughs> um, I do like Blonsky in this. Uh, the shapeshifter story didn't really care about like why. Okay, I, I guess they had to create a subplot mm. um, to to create a court case, which is the undercurrent or the theme of the whole show. Yep. You have to have court cases in each episode, and this was her court case. I, I don't know. I just don't really care about her court case. Like, there's no weight to it. So so what I understood is that uh, in an interview, Gal was saying that originally the whole abomination case was supposed to be the whole through line for the whole season or series. But no way. That's what she but said. But they realized that once they got into the writer's room, that they weren't that adept with coming up with a very detailed court case. So this is perhaps why they've got multiple cases instead. So at, they've just treated it at a high level and treated it a little bit more com- comedic. Perhaps. Man, that would have been so much so much more exciting maybe. Perhaps, I don't know. It, it's still, at the end of the day, it's still the same writers, right? Yeah. So whether they change the, the format of the show, um, or the overall narrative scope. Mm. I don't know. It, it really depends on how talented they are in different areas, mm. perhaps. Um, yeah. So I didn't really think much of this episode, to be honest. I didn't think it was like I mean, all that. Great I mean, you had Wong in it, so that was kind of the highlight. But I mean, this show did end up, in my opinion, almost being cameo of the week because it was someone different each week. Mm. Um, which is what she says as a meta thing 
as sort of yeah she says something meta around that kind of idea this is don't expect this to be a cameo each week even though this person showed up and this person showed up and blah blah um and that was before matt murdoch shows up in the show um so yeah a little bit meta obviously because that's breaking the fourth wall um but yeah i mean i think the only exciting thing for me was that we had some kind of explanation or or the explanation around why Blonsky was in Shang-Chi. Mm. And that was about yeah. it. I was like, great, cool. So this kind of does it for me in terms of Shang-Chi, but maybe not for the, mm. for the series. <laughs> um, shall we move on to episode four? All right, so the episode four is called Is This Not Real Magic? Um, Donnie Blaze, a magician at Mystic Castle who was expelled from Kamataj for misusing his powers, um, sends an audience member named Madison King to another dimension where she makes a deal with a demon before being transported to Wong's home in Kamataj. Wong approaches Walters and asks for her help in making an example of Blaze so that people like him will not be able to misuse the mystic arts. So they file a suit against Blaze and Mystic Castle's owner Cornelius P. Willows. Meanwhile, Walter creates a profile on a dating app in the hopes of expanding her social life, but has little success until she changes it to a profile for She-Hulk. Blaze accidentally unleashes a swarm of demons at one of his shows, but Wong and Walter send them back before threatening Blaze and Willows into complying with a cease and desist order. The next day, Walters learns that Titania has been freed and is filing a lawsuit against her having trademarked the name She-Hulk. Mm. End of the episode. Uh, you you go. I, I think I've decided that we're doing this pattern of like, I go, you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I go, you go. But you have to remember like the, the these highlights that we're putting through, and this is not, this is just what's being written here, but there's a lot of other things going on in each episode. For example, like the last previous episode, that's where she gets attacked on the street, right? By the four thugs. So, I mean, coming back to the whole. Oh yeah. And that's a little bit of a setup for one of the characters. Yeah. But even that in, in saying that, like, you know, I'm sure every female has may have been come across a situation where they're out at night and then, you know, getting cat called or whatnot. So there's that level of maybe relatability that, um, not saying that everyone should go out and start, you know, defending. Like, sorry, they should defend themselves, but you know, um, I'm not saying she should go start fights and fight back. But you know, you know, if sorry, that came out wrong. But like, yes, defend yourself. Where are you going with this? Are you just trying to promote your Karav Maga? No, boss? not Is at all. Where it's no, to? that's not even what I'm going with. But I'm like it's tying episode <laughs> three. But then episode four was also not just about the magic case, but also about her dating and her setting up her her identity. Remember, because she set up her dating profile is she-hulk right uh-huh. not as jen uh-huh. walters so i think there's that underlying theme there where like I, i'm a superhero now but i still have to live my life and how do me as a female live my life and you know do my normal things because remember she doesn't want to embrace being she-hulk she's still in that kind uh-huh. of oh I, I i'm not she-hulk i'm jen walters so um i found the subplot of the, the magic to be a bit eh um wasn't that great i guess it had some you know the magic it was a little bit of every something for for people in the mcu um but i guess yeah i guess it was it was twofold like you had the subplot of the case then you had jen's dating life and uh-huh. yeah uh, 
I don't know. It was it was a, a balance, but I don't know if I enjoyed that balance. So it was the magic. The magic stuff. I mean, is well, the magic leading to the court case whole thing is 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 just another excuse to have another court case. Yep. Um, it almost seems like they probably could have done a lot more with more interesting court cases. Yeah. You know, I I think about like I've seen Law and Order, for example. I've seen that, mm. and they have some really interesting court cases. Yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not, they do. Um, maybe the show could have taken a page out of their book. Uh, but if they also don't want to be a super serious drama either, because Law and Order is a super yeah. serious drama, but there is levity in that show because you have freaking William Shatner in there. Mm. And you have, um, what's his name? The guy who played Age of Ultron, James Spader. Mm. You know, those guys are comical guys. They have like comedic strokes to, to them naturally. So it comes out in the character so it's not always doom and gloom and super dramatic or even melodramatic as a lawyer show i think it's still kind of got its moments of being um uh having some liberty so i think this show could have definitely um learned from that in my opinion mm. probably would have benefited in terms of um having a bit more of a deeper narrative you know i, I don't want people to think that i'm not into sort of shallow films as such you know what mm. i mean like or still shallow content because like for example i love shallow hell mm. <laughs> that's a super funny movie i mean there's so many of those comedies that are super shallow and pop but are like interesting and exciting and still have some some uh gravitas to the to, to them right mm. as as a story so i don't know i i I, th- I think episode four is just another uh, kind of yeah we're going to pass another episode mm. another court case and and we're going to use this kind of shallow court case story to extend our main character mm. Jennifer Walters extend her her uh, character elements a little bit which is her being a little bit more comfortable with being She Hulk because she knew she kind of want to you know she she wanted to put that to the side put it on the bench for a little bit. Mm. Um, but when she saw that she was very successful on the dating app being She-Hulk, she oh, maybe this is like an era that I need to embrace. Mm. So I think I do like that part of her character. She's unsure. She's insecure. She is going through a bit of an existential crisis. Like, who should she be? Mm. I, I enjoy that. I, I think it adds layers to her character, which is nice. But it's still kind of a boring episode. <laughs> no, I think, but you're right. And, and male or female or whatever you identify as nowadays, I think there's all at some point where we're going to go through our lives and say, what do, uh, you know, what do I represent? Who am I? What should I be? Who should I be, etc." So maybe there's mm-hmm. some through line for someone out there that may resonate with that episode. Um, and maybe, mm-hmm. maybe for us that don't resonate with it, maybe we've already had that thought in our head or that's already passed for us or maybe it's yet to come. So yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you've established to the listener that we are just gods and we're above everybody else. Now, thank you very You're much. Welcome. Jess. <laughs> no one's going to ever listen to Sorry. us anymore. Um, episode five, mean green and straight poured into these jeans. I had no idea this, this episode was called that. What is that title? <laughs> mean green and straight poured into these jeans. Huh. Uh Titania has trademarked the name She-Hulk for a new line of beauty products, which angers Walters, obviously. Holloway, the law firm, if you didn't, um, if you forgot that, listener, Holloway warns Walters that she needs to da- uh, deal with the situation quickly and assigns Malloway, Malloway, Brook, a book. Mallory Book. Is it Mallory? Yeah. Oh, it is Mallory. 
Jeez, I just can't read. Is, is that what it is? I just can't read. Mallory Book. I feel like Mallory should be spelt different. I don't know. Anyway, uh, Mallory Book as her attorney for the case, which is the super fly, super well-dressed um, character. Mm. This is the first time, this is not the first time we meet her. I think we met her in the previous episode two, maybe. I think she two. introduces herself earlier on, yeah. Mm, mm. She's always like really well dressed and mm. looks the part. Looks like she should be on suits. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, Nikki and Pug come up with a plan to acquire a superhero outfit for Walters from Luke Jacobson, a highly exclusive tailor who provides um, clandestine services. Clandestine? clandestine. Did I say that right? Ah, uh, clandestine. Maybe you should read no, this because okay. eh? apparently I can't read. This is this seems ridiculous, and apparently, <laughs> apparently I went to university and studied philosophy and can't read. Um, services for heroes, while Brooke and Walters counter sue Titania, claiming that she is illegally exploiting She-Hulk's fame for profit. Walters is annoyed uh, to discover that Todd Phelps, one of her unsuccessful dates, is also a client at her firm. But this helps her realize that she can use her dating app history to establish a past record of her identifying as She-Hulk before Titania tried to gain the trademark. Using her past dates as testimonies, Walters wins the case and establishes a tentative friendship with Book. Walters later acquires her new customized outfits from Jacobson. All right, so first thing I want to say about this episode... I actually really like Luke Jacobson. Yes. He's a cool character. Very, very cool. Um, Provides that sassy comedic element that I think this show, that suits the show. Mm -hmm. Um, It would have been awesome to see more of Luke Jacobson because we don't, we see him, what, in two more episodes, but it's it's not, it's not very, it's not very long, right? It's not much. He doesn't get like a heck of a lot of screen time. I would have loved to see Luke Jacobson a lot more Mm. in the show. Um. I don't, I'm trying to think of a good example for this, but um, a lot of earlier shows, um, maybe like in the 90s or 2000s, I'm probably thinking of something like Buffy or Supernatural. And, and I know this is a completely different genre, although they did have their comedic elements. Um, early seasons, actually, no, Supernatural kind of had a formula all the way through like the first six seasons. It was like Monster of the Week kind of thing, kill two, um, have two victims, and they save the third one. And you kind of feel like there's some sort of familiarity with formula with She-Hulk by this time. And you go, okay, there's going to be a case or there's going to be some issue that they need to go through while also having some underlying subplot. So it it, it wasn't bad because at least as a viewer, you know what you're getting yourself into. It's like, okay, well, there's going to be a case this week um, and there's going to be some other issue that Jen needs to deal with. So this week obviously is about the court case against um, her being the defender or defendant, I should say. And, you know, defending against Titania. And then, um, you know, that I think also addresses her whole theme or narrative about becoming She-Hulk. Like, now she's defending her name, even though she was not wanting to be She-Hulk in the first place. Mm. Um, I didn't really love this episode, but it did introduce, you know, Luke Jacobson, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, I don't remember if this is the episode where... They go and find. Um, oh, they go to the yeah. They go to the boba shop, right? And they're trying to work out. You know, we're trying to see the guy, and they're like, was it boba shop or was some some delicacy mm. that they went to see? 
and then we dressed up with the Avongers instead of Avengers. What? I can't remember, remember the, counter- the counterfeit <laughs> because they're going to look for. Oh yes, no, no, no! This is not that episode. I think that episode is the second time we see Luke Jacobson, which might be episode seven, okay. or maybe even the next one. Okay. I can't remember, but yes, yes, I remember that episode. I actually remember enjoying that part of the mm. episode as well, whatever that was. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's 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 pretty cool this episode. Um, uh. It's still it, it's okay. I didn't. I still didn't love it as much as episode one because mm. at this point, episode one is still my favorite. It was, mm. it was a great start to the show, and then I feel like episode five is is kind of cruising on how good episode one was, but just kind of doing okay. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I love the fact that um, Jennifer Walters she's she's now like you said trying to defend her identity as, as She-Hulk. She's kind of like playing this game now where she's she's fully committing to her being She-Hulk. Mm. So she feels a little bit offended and, and taken aback when, when someone like her arch nemesis, I guess at this point for the whole series, um, stealing her name. And the efforts that she puts in to kind of prove that it's actually her and her name mm. by using someone like Mallory Book um, was, it's kind of a smart move for, for this episode. Mm. Um, so I appreciate it. It's, I think it's it's okay. It just ticks the box of what She Hulk is at this point. Mm. Funny thing is though, at the end of episode five, I was like, okay, maybe the next episode we see Daredevil. Right. <laughs> this is when I'm starting to kind of like, all right, you're five episodes in. Mm. I I want something more. Maybe I, I I want something more. And and I think that feeling really comes from me not knowing what Jen Walters wants. Mm. You know, I don't know what she wants in the show. Usually when you follow any story, we understand what our protagonist wants. You know, our protagonist has mm. a goal. This is how you start the this story. This is the journey. The, yeah. The, well, well, it's not, not, it's just a character journey. This is, how, this is the building blocks. This is the foundation of storytelling mm. is that your protagonist or your lead character always has a purpose. Yep. And by the time we get to the end of the, the story, that character would have fulfilled that purpose. Mm. And that's what makes it interesting. The, for this character, Jennifer Walters, I have no idea what she wants. Right? Mm. I mean, we, we know that she wants a good career. But, okay, great, if I want to watch a documentary. <laughs> not, not exciting and great if you want to watch a show, mm. if you want to watch a story unfold right it's kind of we don't really know what she wants and when you know what the character wants either you understand what mm. what kind of uh interferences and what kind of threats would be a threat to her right right yes because because all the threats that happen in the show with her is really just kind of like physical threats kind of like intimidation tactics mm. like from um her villain and nemesis um uh, what's her face? Uh, Titania, you know, like that. They're more just kind of intimidation um, tactics and kind of like schoolyard, mm. you know, stuff. You know, and and she has physical threats which she can clearly deal with because she's She Hulk. Mm. Other than that, it's kind of like, well, there's not a lot of stakes for the character. There's not a lot of like pushing towards the edge of the cliff, so to speak. So 
again, we get to episode five and I'm like, all right, can you just bring in Matt Murdock so we can kind of find something a bit more interesting? I think, yeah, you're right. Because I think they, they promote Daredevil in it. So all the fans are expecting it. Oh, Daredevil's in it. So it's going to be some big mm, fighting. It's like hard promo around yeah. Daredevil, right? Yeah. But I don't know if that was an intentional market to, to pull in extra viewers. Oh, Daredevil's going to be in it. They're going to team up and do something maybe. Um, but it would have been interesting if they brought him him in earlier to you know assist with cases you know, um, sure. Rather than just them teaming up, um, I think also at the end of this episode, and part of the reason why I thought about Daredevil is because we got so excited when we see the helmet. Is it this episode? Uh, if it's, I think it's this first one, right? episode. I think the end credits or the last part of the episode. It's the last part of the episode because yeah. I remember it was the episode where we first meet Luke Jacobson, right. which makes sense. And, you know, he, he sort of throws a little bit of a tantrum at one of his co-workers. He just, um, he just, uh, he says it out loud. He's like, why did you, you know, I, why did, I don't know what he says, but it's something to the effect of why did you leave the helmet here? Like mm. um, with the cap off or whatever, something like mm. that. And then camera zooms in, we see that it's, Matt Murdock's new helmet, mm. which is pretty cool. Pretty cool. I think just to go on to what you're saying about the hero's journey or the character's journey about knowing what they want, I think the the whole season starts off with her not knowing what she wants, but she slowly starts gravitating to knowing what she wants. And I oh, know we're gonna jumping ahead here, but when you get to the finale, she goes, no, I want this in her episode when we do the fourth wall break. Right. But we'll come back to that in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's jump to episode six called Just Jen. Um, that reminds me of Will and Grace, Just Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Just Jack. Uh, Walters is invited to be a bridesmaid at her old friend Lulu's wedding. When she arrives, however, she is disappointed to find out that Lulu wants her to present herself, not She Hulk. Um, what? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was the other way around. Oh, yeah, okay, cool. Uh, wants to present, uh, present herself and not as she uh, For some reason, I thought it was the other way around. I thought it was like she, her friend wanted her to be she mm. Um And settles her with numerous pre-wedding duties. Titania is also present as she is dating one of Lulu's groomsmen. Walters bonds with Josh Miller, a friend of the groom. The Titania, uh, But Titania attacks her following a brief fight Titania breaks down and storms off. Meanwhile, Book and Nikki work on a divorce case for a superhuman called Mr. Immortal, who is who was or who has repeatedly faked his death to get out of several marriages. Um, compounding the problem, eight of his previous spouses all file suits against him upon learning his secret via an online video displaying uh, displaying his powers leaked by a website called Intelligentsia. After resolving the case, Book and Nikki discover several death threats directed at She-Hulk on Intelligentsia's message board, which is maintained by an individual known as, quote, Hulk King, unquote. Elsewhere, scientists working for Hawking spy on Walters and plan for another attempt to steal a blood sample from her. All right, so we get into, this is the first episode that we introduce quite a lot of new things. Mm. Um, uh, we get introduced to who the intelligentsia is, kind of like deep, um, like dark web, sort of Reddit type kind of stuff, right? Um, 
And we also get introduced to this character called Hulking. I actually can't remember them mentioning Hulking at all mm. in this episode. I thought I thought we only we only get to know or get a mention of Hulking through the text message. But I guess they mention it in this episode because this is this is where they show the flashback. Where is this the episode? No, because she only meets Josh in this episode, right? She only meets Josh in this episode. Which, by the way, as soon as, as soon as she meets Josh, and they have this kind of little, hey, I like you, you like me. Mm. I knew immediately that this guy's a villain, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is so obvious. You're just setting up this dude to be like a bad dude. Like, you know, new person you meet halfway through the show. Um, why else would you be introducing a new person halfway through the show, mm-hmm. right? It's like, it's kind of clear that you're, you're either the bad guy or you're working for the bad guy. And true enough. Could I'm have been an ally. You never know. Or, you know, you just don't know. Uh, I don't know. But the fact I, I go sorry, go on. Yeah, go on. Go no, ahead. I was gonna say just that the fact that we have Mr. Immortal who's normally listed as a mutant wasn't really said. So that's mm. that's in there. And then Yeah, I remember reading a whole bunch of sweaty nerds being very disappointed at the fact that Mr. Immortal was in this show mm. and he wasn't that great. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then you have Intelligentsia who's really normally led by Modoc, so that's in there mm-hmm. as well. So yeah. I know that's a lead up to having Modoc in Quantumania. Yeah, but you know, I, I think this is just also Marvel's way of saying, hey, we can do whatever we want with all our content mm. now. You know, we can, like, you know, they, they did that in WandaVision, the very first, um, the very first TV series in, in Phase 4, where they brought us Quicksilver from mm. the Fox universe. Mm. But it, but Matt Shackman, the creator of the show, he said, oh, it, it is Quicksilver, but it's also not. It was just her mm. imagination. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's kind of strange. It's, it's a little meta that he would say that mm. um, and kind of disappointing at the same time. Mm. <laughs> but the point is they can do whatever they want with the shows and they can kind of tell whatever stories they want. Mm. The thing that they need to also bear in mind is that they should not piss off their chief audience. Yeah, right. <laughs> You know, like, don't, don't, like, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not like I'm trying to say that the fans are these kind of high, almighty, um, sanctimonious critics that you should always listen to. No, what I'm saying is that you've already pleased the audience and you've already given the audience what what makes them really excited and wanting more. Mm. Don't burn the audience, mm. like the very people that are that made your whole business successful, mm. right? Don't give them something that they don't want. Mm. Kind of like in the reverse paraphrasing words of uh, The Rock recently when he said the whole reason why we brought um, we brought Henry Cavill back is because he is the only Superman that exists. And, oh, and the, sorry. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's not really a spoiler. I mean, The Rock is spoiling it even before this movie came out. <laughs> um and I even mentioned in our Black Adam review, which was um, two episodes ago. You should check that out. Episode, podcast episode 43. 44? No, I think 44 was, yeah, 44 was uh, uh, Werewolf by Night. So oh, yeah, really check out our, our review and recap on Black Adam. It's a great review. Um, yeah, anyway, where was I going with this? I went on a tangent. About chief, I went on a huge tangent. Chief, chief audience. Chief uh, audience, yeah. Don't, don't kind of... It's almost that expression, don't bite, bite the hand that feeds mm. you, but it's it's obviously in the opposite direction. Mm. Like, don't bite the hand that 
Well, I mean, I guess it is the hand that feeds you, right? Like they're profitable because of the vents. Mm. So yeah, just, just, just be mindful of that is, is probably what I'm saying. Mm. Uh, anything else you want to talk about? In this no, I just, oh, what I wanted to add was just that we have to not forget as we address further episodes later on, like she's had this whole, um, identity thing with her dating. So I think because as we get into this episode where she meets Josh, like it kind of ties that narrative of her having her, her love life on show. And it's kind of like, Oh, I'm having no success with love. And all of a sudden I meet this guy who's, you know, somewhat magical to her and like, Oh, I get along with you, even though I'm not she Hulk, I can be just Jen. And that's where I think this episode comes in with that title. So, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember that part. <laughs> no, no, I can't remember that. Josh Miller seems like a charming dude. Uh, great actor. I think I think he'd done a good job being this uh, charming and delightful and easygoing, forthcoming character. Really suits the part. But was super obvious there was a villain to me. <laughs> um, I don't know about uh, yeah, the listener. Uh, I don't know if that was super obvious, but it was kind of super obvious to me. And then, yeah, there's the whole Hulk King thing mm. and all that kind of stuff. Oh, it's all in this one episode, isn't it? Where we learn that he's – it is in this one episode, isn't it? That What? That we learn what? We learn that Josh is the villain by the end of it. Uh, y- no. Yeah. I think it's episode seven. It's the next one. Is it? They do a flashback. Oh, they do a next flashback one. Yeah, sorry. Because she, yeah, she gets I'm sort of reading the notes here now. <laughs> yeah, the next episode. Okay, gotcha. Well, this is a good segue into episode seven called The Retreat. <laughs> Walters goes on a set on several dates with Miller, but he disappears and seemingly ghosts her after they sleep together. While anticipating a text from him, she receives a call from Blonsky's parole officer who informs her that the inhibitor that stops Blonsky from turning into abomination is broken and that he wants her to accompany him to Blonsky's spiritual retreat. Summer Twilight. I want to go to that retreat. Seems really nice. Summer Twilight. I think we all need that kind of thing. Um, to check on him. Uh, when the officer leaves, Manbull and Al... Aguila accidentally destroy her car, forcing her to stay there until it can be towed away. Despite the retreat lacking internet and cell coverage, which we all need, um, FYI, Walters continues to nervously await a response from Miller. She attends a group therapy session with Blonsky, Manbull, Aguila, uh, Porcupine, and Saracen, Saracen. and Rekka, where she is convinced to delete Miller's contact information and let go of her feelings towards him. We all know that can be a hard thing. It is revealed that three days earlier, so we do a little bit of flashback here, Miller secretly cloned Walters's phone. Is that is that what the the term is? Clone? Yeah. Or, I thought, uh, to me, it was just stealing. <laughs> stealing uh, well, it's just copying the data like one for one. Uh, yeah. 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 Copying the data one for one. That's a good way to describe it, but, and stole a sample of her blood on behalf of the Hulk King after sleeping with her. Two-timing, well, not two-timing, but just bastard, you know, classic one-night stand kind of guy, but really he had, a, he had a motivation, a very villainous motivation to steal all their information from the phone, 
um, which eventually turns into blackmail and sabotage and blah, blah, blah in the final episode um, and steals her blood because needs to take her her blood to uh, Hulk King because he obviously wants it, probably wants to become the Hulk as well. Um, thoughts on episode seven, The Retreat? Didn't love the subplot, but I knew that at this point, I was like, okay, we're at episode seven. There's nine episodes. What's going to be the finale? You know what I mean? So we knew, as you said, as soon as Josh got introduced, like, okay, there must be some malicious intent with this dude because where is the season going? There's no there's no defined villain. You can see Titania as one be like, he hasn't really put up a fight in any, you know, any sort of thing. And you get that uh, fight in episode three with the construction workers you know, okay, that's something leading to something, and you don't know who they're working for. There's that mystery around it, and then you see Josh come in and go, "Okay, they're working for someone." So I got a little, I got pulled back in a little bit um, in terms of the where the subplot was going, but I didn't necessarily love the retreat. But I understand, you know, they needed something a little bit lighter to to balance the episode because if you think about it, sleeping with someone and stealing their data that's pretty dark as well. So. Mm. But ha- yeah, that's a, that's some dark shit right there. Yeah. Man. Um, but having also these outsiders, if you want to call them that, and Manbull, El Aguila, Porcupine, Saracen, they're all very different backgrounds, different uh, traumas, and you know they're at this retreat to let go. And I think mm. we're in a pos- position in society right now where going to therapy and stuff is considered normal. Where I think back in the nineties, all of those things were very taboo we never used to speak about them or it's like oh you go to therapy like what's wrong with you but now it's like it's mm. considered healthy and, and somewhat acceptable so little things like that and especially having a lot of men in that um uh in that session was good because you, you often hear about men's mental health men not having the spaces or the tools to be able to communicate and express their their traumas is, is i think a good way to put that on the screen but obviously you know half the audience don't like that but you know it's. I, I thought it was an interesting, an interesting balance in that re- in regard. So you have one light side where people are addressing issues um, and how to let go, and then you got the other side where it's really dark and malicious. So, what did you think? Well, thank you, Doctor Phil, for that um, review on episode seven. Uh, how can I get on your show? Just sign up right now. <laughs> um, okay. So after reading this, I. I think I actually liked this episode. Yeah. I think at the time that I watched it, I did enjoy it. I did enjoy the positive plight of the the episode. Mm. And I think I enjoyed the retreat thing. I enjoyed the characters, even though those characters are just disposable characters. I I use this Mm. expression a lot, disposable characters, because they're characters that actually mean nothing to the story itself. Um but I do like the fact that there are these characters. They just seem kind of fun and mm. enjoyable. They're just enjoyable dudes. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, going away on a retreat and everything, it's a little bit of a distraction from what's actually happening in the entire series. Mm. And they, if they're going to fill nine episodes, yeah, why not go on a retreat? You know, because how, how what other stories can we really tell? Yeah. <laughs> And, and and it breaks up the monotony of having so many court cases in the entire show. Mm. So it's it's kind of nice. We take a little bit of a break. We go into wherever it is. It's like in the middle of nowhere, perhaps, um, like most retreats. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's kind of cool, the round circle thing where I like that how there wasn't a lot of 
people in the retreat as well. Mm. I like how it was quite intimate and very heavy and dense. And when you have such a small group in the retreat, it probably really feels like everybody is listening because you're paying a bit more attention to the person talking. Mm. So it's kind of cool. And, and it helps her get over a bit of the traumatic events that she has gone through thus far. Mm. Right. And I think that's kind of good for a character. She clearly needed it for a character. Mm. Um, letting go of certain hangups was definitely something that she wasn't used to. She was uncomfortable with mm. and her opening up to a bunch of other random dudes in the room was kind of nice. And it's probably what she needed from a character. Cause it also sort of in some way, in some kind of retrospect, um, initiates or sorry gains regains her trust in men in general because she didn't really she kind of lost that trust in men right mm. because her dating her dating life was kind of terrible she always failed at it mm. um she thought that josh was going to be the one because everything seemed to line up perfectly mm. but then to be ghosted and never coming back she then has to regain her trust in men and so going to the retreat and speaking openly with other men who are also openly sharing was a good thing that she needed mm. so yeah so, so i like it mm. it was, was kind of cool even though it's yeah it's did i need it maybe not but maybe i didn't need any of the other episodes either mm. So. Mm. <laughs> so for what it's worth i did kind of enjoy it just to add a separate note a lot of the episodes sorry i shouldn't say a lot of the episodes the first few episodes had end credits but the later episodes did not and i found that the end credits just seemed to be lacking i know that they couldn't drop heavy stuff each episode but it felt like some of them were like why is this here it was just kind of like mm-hmm. nonsensical like when she was carrying the um was it the water bottles into her dad's house and the oh, twer- yeah, i mean the yeah. twerk and like it was just maybe it's comedy and that's what they wanted to throw in mm. anyway. head of the twerk i want to delete that from my mind <laughs> yes. Oh. All right. So, if, sorry. Oh, yep, no, no, no. Was it episode eight? No. All right. Let's jump into episode eight. Uh, ribbit. Oh, I see. And Did they jump into it with a fr- no, uh, no. ribbit? Yeah, yeah. I'm smart. I'm smart. Walters takes on a new case representing Eugene Balido, a leapfrog. Or slash, or aka Leafrog, who wishes to sue Jacobson for giving him a faulty super suit. By the way, this is a real character in the comics as well, uh, Leafrog. Jacobson is represented is represented by drumroll. Oh, you actually got one. There we go. Matt Murdock, yeah, we finally get our dream come true. Matt Murdock, yay! It's been a while. When was when did the Daredevil series finish? Twenty. I feel like it was twenty sixteen. Was it that long ago? Hang on. It seemed like it seems so far away. It, right? it, like, oh, I'm pretty sure it was earlier. Um, it was a long time ago. I, from memory, it was something around twenty sixteen because Defenders came out after that. Uh, original original release was twenty fifteen. I'm sorry. So season three would have been twenty eighteen. No way. Original release was twenty fifteen. Yes. First season what? was April ten. 2015 then you had 2016 that is crazy and third se- season was 2018 so they skipped a year oh wow okay for some reason i thought it actually came out in 2013 but oh. I'm, I'm only a couple of years like off i guess yeah mm. wow 2015 okay that i totally didn't see that um because i was back in new zealand at that time and i remember watching it when it first came mm. out um i was living in hamilton 
and I remember I remember watching it in Hamilton. But yeah, I was still in Hamilton, obviously, in 2015. Mm. Mm. Cool. All right. Um, so yeah, Jacobson is represented by Matt Murdock. He walks through the doors. It's kind of like work, walking through the pearly gates that he's very, very familiar with. He's like, he's so, he's so comfortable in the courtroom. Dude just is like Bruce Lee when he walks in. Mm. Right? <clears throat> um, and he wins the case due to, uh, Pat, oh, Patilio? Patilio. Patilio. Yes. Patilio. Okay, due to Patilio uh, inadvertently revealing that he disobeyed Jacobs, uh, Jacobson's instructions by using jet fuel in his suit, that idiot. And he's so proud of it as mm. well. Uh, afterwards, uh, Patilio Patil- <laughs> contacts Walters uh, asking for help against an unknown assailant. Walters arrives and battles the assailant, who she discovers to be... Murdoch. Oh, I need another drum roll. Who discovers to be Murdoch as a superhero persona, Daredevil. Murdoch reveals to Walters that a Patilio kidnapped Jacobson, and the two work together to rescue the latter before sleeping together. The next day, Walters attends the Southern California Law Awards Gala, she, uh, where she accepts a Female Lawyer of the Year award, but the gala is interrupted by an intelligence year broadcast which smears Walters' reputation by displaying footage of her in bed with Miller. Dum, dum, dum. Briefly losing control, Walter goes on a rampage destroying the gala stage and attempting to capture a nearby intelligentsia member only to be apprehended by the DODC. Mm. End of episode eight. Best episode. Mm. I would agree because with you there. Daredevil, it was, wasn't it? No, just, <laughs> well, there is that. And, and you know that. I mean, yeah, there's, there's more. There's more, actually, yeah. The section where he goes in solo was a really nice homage to the hallway scene in Daredevil season one. Oh, and yeah. I knew, oh, I yeah. knew instantly that they were going to subvert that by her just smashing through the wall, which she did in the second, in the second, in the second part. part. I was like, I was waiting for like, yeah. where it was like three, two, one, smash. Yeah, it was kind of it was so obvious. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was so obvious, but also I was like, oh, I just hope it's not. I hope it's not. I hope he he still like rips it up like in the in the hallway scene. But yeah, yeah, yeah it was pretty obvious that she was going to do that. Um, no, I think it was a good episode. It was a lot. There was a lot in there in a short time. I feel like this was the the best episode because there was a lot going on, um, and they still managed to fit it in a timely manner. Um, but I think yeah. for a lot of it didn't feel rushed. It didn't feel long. But yeah, I feel like it was, it was a, probably the best episode for a lot of the chief audience because that's what they were expecting from the first place. Um, mm-hmm. So you had the the, the storyline of of rec- rescuing Jacobson. You had the mm-hmm. the the law awards, which you know I kind of see it. You didn't see where it was going, but then you're like, okay, here we go. Now this is the the fin- fina- uh not so fin- uh, say the setup, the for, setup the for the finale. And you know, like it, this whole revenge—I want to call it revenge porn—but like you know, that would be pretty. I won't say common for people. Like you see all these stories about people posting up porn of their exes and stuff like that. Like that mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like. I think people can resonate with and understandably she got really angry because imagine if someone did that to you, you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. So yeah, a lot going on. Um, but I think she, she breaks the fourth wall in that, right? Cause she goes, is this really where the ser- series is going? Right. At the end of the episode. Yeah. 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 
Mm-hmm. Um, she breaks the fourth wall because it's, it's actually been a while since she'd broken the fourth yeah. wall. I think in the previous episodes we hadn't we hadn't seen that from her for a while. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she yeah you're right. She breaks the fourth wall at the end of this. Uh, I love how when she meets the Daredevil for the first time, um, um, instantly reveals that it's Matt Murdock. I, th- I thought that was actually kind of funny and and fitting as well because you know why not i mean she's she hulk she's just going to reveal his identity straight away mm. so it makes a lot of sense um and then when he's when he did did you remember when she says so who are you supposed to be and he's like i'm daredevil and then the daredevil theme comes up on the background did you oh notice that? no i didn't see that oh my god i didn't i missed that okay i have to go back and watch it Dude, yeah. you gotta go back and watch it. Go back and no. watch it. It's such a it's such a great moment because like the what is it? Piano? Is it a piano? I don't know what it is. Uh, Whatever that instrument okay. is, you know, you know the one I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, ding, 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 ding. Maybe I missed That's that. Damn. Remember. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> dude. Oh my goodness, it was so obvious. Gosh. Maybe I wasn't paying attention to that level of detail because I was just yeah. Anyway, it was pretty loud. Well, okay, so it wasn't it wasn't loud, loud, but it was. It was, was it loud like the X-Men theme in Miss Marvel? It was the same volume. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It was like volume five. Right. Okay. I'll go back and watch it then. Um, <laughs> Come on, dude. Jeez. So take take, away my, like, take my, my legit cool card, okay? Yeah. I mean, you're down to like three points left. So it's like demerit legit, points. Legit warm now instead. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And, and then I love how, how she was like, so you chose these, like, because he says, oh, like, I'm, I'm in town uh, because Luke Jacobson is, is making me some new suits. Mm-hmm. And she was like, what, this um, mustard and ketchup? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> mustard and ketchup. <laughs> it's great. I mean, she's so right. I mean, I'm not, I'm personally not a fan of the colors. I'm yeah. not a fan of that, the tone of the yellow and the red. I know they're trying to do the comic book stuff. Mm. And they don't want to go full throttle on the saturation, maybe on the colors. Yep. So they chose mustard and ketchup. Mm. But you know, like <laughs> I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Um, there's yeah, some modifications. Right. Like even Jen's costume is not really the typical one piece. It's kind of like that kind of right. bike pants, mm. bike shorts. Um, I don't know. She looks like she's going to yoga class every time. But yeah, but I mean, t- well, versus the swimsuit that would be normally present in the comics, I think that's a little bit probably swimsuit. She wears a swimsuit in the comics. Like a, it's a one piece. Let's put it that way. If you look at the comics, a one piece swimsuit. Yeah, okay. it looks like just it's, it looks like a swimsuit, right? But then they kind of modified that to have this kind of uh, was it a crop top or just like a singlet top in bike pants, bike shorts? No, she's got a one piece by the end of the last episode. Like the one that Luke Jacobson makes her. You're talking about? That's a one piece. I mean, she just looks like she's going to F45 or whatever. Hang on. We're experiencing <laughs> technical difficulties. We'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, we didn't pay that much attention no. to the episode. Um, okay. So, I, I just want to quickly jump into episode nine mm-hmm. because uh, we're running a bit over time. Um, so, and, and then we can kind of like merge our thoughts on both episode A. We can touch up a little bit on episode A and mm-hmm. then talk a lot about the finale. Mm-hmm. All right. So, the finale is called whose show is this question mark walters is released from the doc uh, dodc custody but is forced to wear an inhibitor to prevent her from transforming and loses her job at jlk and h nikki and pug infiltrate an intelligentsia event where they learn that 
Phelps created intelligence here and reveals he is the dum 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 Hulk King. And Blonsky, as the abomination, is serving as a motivational speaker, aka Tim Robbins of the event. Walters arrives at the event and confronts Phelps, who injects himself with her blood and transforms into a Hulk. After Titania and Banner unexpectedly appear in the ensuing fight, a confused Walters destroys her inhibitor and breaks the fourth wall to confront the show's writers in Marvel Studios' ensemble. Uh, She meets with Kevin, which is an acronym Kevin, and artificial intelligence that claims to be in charge of the Marvel Cinematic Universe's storyline decisions and persuades it to rewrite the finale, to which it reluctantly agrees. Returning to her show, she finds Phelps and Blonsky have been arrested while celebrating with her family and and Murdoch. Banner returns from Sakaar with his son, Scar. After regaining her job and being cleared for all her charges, Walters vows to continue her work as a lawyer and a superhero. In the mid-credits scene, Wong breaks Blonsky out of prison and takes him to Kamataj. And that is the end of the finale. Your thoughts, Mr. Tim Robbins, uh, Dr. Phil, go. I mean, Tony Robbins, Tim Robbins, who, what? Oh, I don't, I don't know what I said. <laughs> just, just, just go, Doctor Phil. You're Doctor Phil. No, um, I, I, look for the listeners at home. Well, there's a, there's a legit cool podcast chat. You can't join it; it's just for us. But <laughs> uh, I remember watching this episode, and I knew that the others in the, in the chat hadn't seen it. But my response was kind of like. Oh yeah, you're the first one. WTF to right? and and whatnot. So I was kind of like, look at the time, I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. But I realized that maybe not everyone's going to appreciate this finale or this approach to the episode. So I didn't say too much, and I just left it at that. But for me, um, I thought it was a bit. It was a bit left of center, but it was also different, which is kind of cool. But I just didn't know how far they were going to take it. So once she broke out of the wall and started walking over to the office, I'm like, okay, cool. This is okay. But then going to speak to Kevin, I was like, okay, that's interesting. And then you get really more comedic, playful aspects of the uh, of her character. And, you know, looking out for the fans, like, was it, she asked her about when X-Men is coming out. What, oh, I can't remember what the exact mm. question was. Um, yeah. But no, I thought that was kind of cool. I know that a lot of people hated it, um, but it didn't necessarily set up anything for the future from my understanding it was kind of like everything was resolved to a point and then left up in the air it's like okay well are we getting a season two Mm. so yeah i'll leave it at that uh nice nice uh i thought the finale was cool yeah it was cool i think i do like it more than the pilot um oh wait i don't know actually i think i still like the pilot (laughs) um it was a cool finale uh, I didn't love the finale. I know that there's a lot of people that really loved it. Like I'm talking about a lot of YouTubers, mm-hmm. um, the real rejects. I follow those guys a lot. Shout out to the real rejects. Um, core four reacts or core four VT reacts. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to those guys. I, I watched their review and they really enjoyed it as well. I, I didn't, I didn't enjoy it as much as everybody else. Mm-hmm. I do think it's a fitting finale, 
But that's actually not that high of a bar to reach, considering the rest of the episode. Mm. Um, breaking to breaking the fourth wall. I, I love the fact it, it's it's more just cool imagery. The fact that she breaks, literally breaks the fourth wall and goes through the Disney Plus app. I thought that was kind of neat. Mm. Um, and then she swings into it. It's funny. I had to actually rewind it to find out which icon which show did she swing into because like, I, oh. I forgot which show she swung into. But doesn't that yeah. vary for everyone on their on their platform? Because I think, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I think it does because you can have different, you can have uh, parental guidance on, which limits the kind of content that you see. Yes, you're right. But it wouldn't have mattered because she swung into her assembled, right? Yes. And for the listener that, yeah, for the listener that doesn't know about what the Marvel uh, Studios assembled series are, it's basically a behind the scenes, a BTS that happens after the show or the movie has been released. Mm. Um, so she swung into hers, which obviously is not on our apps because it hasn't been released yep. yet. It is released of this recording, um, which I haven't seen. I don't think I'll watch it. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so she breaks into the fourth wall and she goes to Marvel Studios. She walks around. Blah, blah, blah. I th- I, I I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I didn't love it. I enjoyed that she walks around. She talks to the writers. Obviously, those aren't the real writers. Those aren't the real showrunners. They're not. They're not Kevin Feige's twelve disciples mm. that you know sort of dictate and create the entire MCU. It's not them. But and the fact that she said, "I want to speak to Kevin," mm. you know, and that that kind of like defending Kevin like he's God, which is pretty funny because he is practically the mcu god mm. um and i was like oh my god are we actually going to see kim feige mm. like what the heck mm. are we actually going to go there and then when we get there it turns out that it's an ai mm. uh robot that is called kevin what's the acronym K- stand for again? Uh, it's, I don't, did they say it i don't think they, they say it they say it. it's some i can't remember maybe look it up um you you can be my uh what's his name a paralegal no the no, the the guy that's with Joe Rogan. Um, oh, I don't know his name. Um, yeah, that guy. You can be that guy. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, it, it says something. They say like the well, Kevin the robot, the AI says it um, in that same sentence. Um, yeah, so it's yeah, it was kind of in, enjoyable and funny at the same time, but um, not. I don't love it. And it makes sense that, you know, Kevin would be an AI. Can you imagine, like, you know, where technology is going? Mm. I wouldn't be surprised that you, if they want to just kind of production um, convey about their content, you know, by virtue of just throwing it into a machine and just spitballing whatever comes out of mm. it through AI, I wouldn't be – I mean, I don't think Marvel Shooters, as long as Kim Feige is around, I don't think Marvel Shooters will ever go down that way, obviously. But – in the future, say 50 years from now, I wouldn't be surprised mm. if they just let AI write their, let's say, Disney Plus series, but didn't write their movies. If they just wanted to you know, cut costs and make things cheaper, let's just get the AI called Kevin to write all the episodes mm. for our Disney Plus stuff, but we'll hire real people to do our um, our movie line, mm. which, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. So, so <laughs> Kevin, the acronym, is Knowledge Enhanced Visual Interconnectivity Nexus. 
<laughs> yeah, so that's what the AI says in that in that episode. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of cool. And then, you know, the whole thing was to rewrite the episode and then go back to the episode. Um, my, my main issue with that is that I don't think having an issue with the episode, like having an issue, yeah, having an issue with the episode because you think it's bad, and addressing it by going to the studio to then readdress the issue and then turn the issue into the story. I don't think that's a fair enough excuse to write a good episode. Mm. Does that make mm. sense? Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I just did sort of mental gymnastics to everybody, but it's basically saying that your excuse for a bad episode isn't, but isn't explaining the episode being bad yeah. as acceptable. Yeah. Like that's, that's almost kind of, Diminishing returns, mm, right? Mm. You, it's it's kind of like self-refuting the fact that your episode should be good. Yeah. <laughs> so I I know it's breaking fourth wall, blah blah blah, and I know it's like comic accurate. Like there's there's a, a specific She-Hulk uh, series um, where she does that, where she goes to the writer of the comic book and blah 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 and complains and yeah, but I'm like, eh, yeah, yeah, it's pretty thin. Pretty shallow. Uh, but to be fair, way. I mean, like she she does address like a lot of the the issues that um, is present in the MCU. Like you you get a villain that's gonna have the same powers as them, and they have to defeat them and and whatnot. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it was just interesting how like all the questions that she asked and was trying to get out was kind of cool in a way, even for the fans. Like you know, when are we getting X Men and. You know, mm. Little things like that. Yeah, she was saying all the meta stuff that we all want. It was like, well, when are we getting X Men? And she winks to the camera and does a thumbs up, which is which is neat. It was nice. Yeah. I, I had a bit of a moment. I was like, oh, she mentioned X Men. Yeah. But doesn't those moments don't last long? You know, they're just kind of hype moments. But I think it's the fact that she can say it in a Marvel property. You know what I mean? We couldn't ever mm-hmm. say that before. Um, yep. I'm just reading now that apparently uh, Feige was not happy. Um, cause, uh, Gal wanted to have Kevin, the AI wear a hat and Feige shot it down. It's like, why would a robot wear a cap? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, I love Kevin Feige. God bless mm. that man. He is a gem. He is a huge gem and he is a rare person to have in the movie world. Like that guy is just insane, mm. insane at what he does. Um, all right, so that is the entire recap for episode, uh, episode for season one, She-Hulk. What did you think overall out of 10? I've got to think about all the other ratings that we've given over the years, uh, over the other properties <coughs> over the years. It has been that long, though. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was enjoyable. Did I love it? No. Did I hate it? No. So maybe 6.5. Nice. Yeah. I'm going to come straight out of the gates and say I gave I give this a 6 out of 10. Yeah. So we're similar. We're very, very similar in that rating. I think that rating is fair. Mm. I don't think it deserves a 4. It could deserve a 5, but I think, I think it's fair enough to give it a 6 because there are a lot of things. There's a lot of ingredients in the series yep. that I enjoy, yep. right? How those ingredients come together is a, it's a bit messy. Yeah. It's not the kind of... Pudding. Why do I say pudding? I don't eat pudding. Um, it's not. It's not. It's not the kind of pudding um, that is something that I, you know, think about that I sort of crave. You know, it's it's, it's yeah. Six six out of ten. 
6.5, I think, is a fair enough um, uh, rating. And I think we covered enough of what we needed to cover to give that sort of fair criticism and rating. Do you think if the episodes were one hour long that they could have done a lot more and thus shifted your perception of the series? Mm, I don't know. No, no, there's, there's too many things to address. First, what what would the writers do differently? Mm. How would they even handle something like a one-hour episode? Mm. But if you do the one-hour episode thing, you need to kind of cut it down to a miniseries. It has to be like three episodes, yeah. four episodes, whatever, yep. five episodes, you know. Um, to have successful storytelling, you need to have good writers that know exactly um, how to write good story. And, and I know that's probably not the best explanation, mm. but we're kind of, you know, um, for the sake of time, good story is – has catharsis by the end of it. Mm. You know, good story has has levels of stakes. It has pressure that they place on the protagonist, pressure that they place on the antagonist, mm. and pressure that they place on, um, you know, forcing the characters to do things that are uncomfortable for themselves to keep the character interesting. So it, the show just doesn't have that. The show is really like, it's like a vlog. I remember I said this to my partner. It's like, this is more like a vlog, mm. you know, like day one of Jennifer Walters, mm. like, you know, like kind of like a diary, mm. like, you know, write in my diary type <laughs> story yeah. that I just don't care for. But, you know, there's, there's other people that enjoy that kind of stuff. The people that relate to that stuff because yeah. they're probably also like dear diary type people, yeah. right? Yeah. I'm not necessarily a dear diary type person, nor do I care about that being in a show or a movie. So, cause you're not a dear yeah. diary kind of person. You're more of a daredevil person. <laughs> wow Sorry. wow you went there. i did go there you went there yeah i mean you are 40 years old so yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's gonna happen sometime it's gonna happen sometime hey dude we like to go over time i mean this is this is what we do at the logical podcast but we always have a legitimate reason for it mm. i'm like we love this kind of stuff we love talking about movies we love talking about TV series. This is a TV series. We love the MCU. Super excited to see Black Panther in two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. yeah. Super excited to see that. Mm. We're already seeing the reactions coming out, you know, all the reactions and the minute mini reviews because the embargo is still on. So um, everything is super positive at the moment. Everybody's saying kind of the same thing. It seems like there's a, general consensus that it consensus that is quite accurate for every single person that's seen mm. it which is everyone's saying that shiri kills it a lot she's amazing in this film she really carries it carries her role as shiri <clears throat> Black Panther. Um, um she carries a role as shiri um what else you know everybody's saying that freaking namor mm. like the guy that plays namor whatever his name, his name uh, is like to knock to knock something what is it like what no is it muerta Muerta, yeah, Tanok Muerta something. Anyway, Muerta, Muerta thing means death. Sorry. Whoops. Sorry. Yeah, apparently he is amazing as Namor. And like Brandon Davis from comicbook.com. Oh, sorry, comicbook.com? Yeah, from comicbook.com. I saw his review and he said that Namor is probably one of the best villains alongside. Thanos. I was like, what? Alongside wow. Thanos? Thanos has like three movies, man. <laughs> well, not three movies, but he has like two movies. How is he like already side by side? So apparently he's just done a killer performance okay. and I can't wait to see that dude on screen. Um, 
But everybody's actually also saying, so on the negative side, mm. everyone is also saying that the movie is just a bit too long. Right. It's running in at two hours and 41 minutes. 45. 45 yeah, 41, like that. yeah. Hmm. That's pretty long. It's pretty long. But it depends. It comes down to the pacing, right? Like if it's well presented and everything's done yeah, correct. good, then you don't notice the pacing. Um, yep. But we'll just have to wait. If everything is great, but, but obviously there's, there's parts of the movie where people felt the runtime. Right. Um, when those parts of the movie is, not sure. Mm-hmm. Could be right in the middle. Could be some dialogue sequences that just didn't seem like it, it fit in that particular moment. Mm-hmm. Who knows? But we're going to see it soon, so I'm super excited for that. Um we should probably say goodbye to everybody now. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for listening to the Legit Cool Podcast. This is River. No. <laughs> oh, okay. Nice little outro. I like it. I like it. Um, dude, it's great to have you back on the show. Thank you for having me. When are we going to see you next? Probably uh, when we cast Black Panther. Oh, okay. You're going to make some time for that. Eh? Make some time for that. Yeah. You, you're going to put life on hold for a little just, bit and just jump a couple on. Hours. Yeah, yeah, I can make make some time, a couple of hours, and. Uh, See if we can get mm-hmm. Nate, or we can get our other. Well, well, this is it. Is this is going to be the very first episode that Jimmy K finally Ooh. jumps onto the podcast? He was like, "Yep, yeah, sign me up for Black Panther." Okay, it's like, yeah, it's good. It's going to be a lot of us. Four potentially. No, I can't say five. I have to say no to the other person. It's going to be four. Oh, rejection! <laughs> you have to make the cut to make legit cool. You have to make the cut. <laughs> I know, right? I know. All right, man, dude. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Really, really good to see you again. Good to hear that you're nice and healthy and enjoying life. And good to hear that you're still loving the MCU. Mm. Hopefully, it's going to get better. We got to wait for it. It's going to get better. Mm. It's going to get better. Thank you, listener. Um, if you want to follow us on social media, all of our social media handles will be in the show notes. So just click the little three dots at the bottom where it says more and you'll see our social media handles there. Make sure you follow us. If you want to comment, you can comment on any of the posts. Can't guarantee that I'm always going to be responding to them, but that's just me being truthful. That's not being me being mean. Um, and let us know what other movies or TV series you'd like us to review. Um, so thank you so much for listening and we will catch you guys again. Bye. Bye.